David Esme is not an educator by trade. Rather, guided by his own experiences in the finance industry, he has chosen to dedicate himself to influencing typically underrepresented youth to pursue careers in finance. He and Jeff are friends, and our listeners will appreciate them comparing notes and talking strategy on how David is impacting future financiers. Enjoy. Ladies, gentlemen, educators, leaders, welcome to Leader Chat. I'm Jeff Rose, and today's going to be fun. The reason it's going to be fun is because I, I guess it's maybe not professional to say that I'm going to be interviewing and chatting with a buddy of mine, but our guest today is actually a, a friend, of course, a, a colleague professionally, but also we know each other personally, and I have been talking to him for quite some time about coming on to the show, and I'll tell you why. Um, he, number one, he's not an educator, right, in a traditional sense, but his efforts, as a, especially as of recently, are focused on minority representation in the field for which he is truly an expert. So how do we engage more black and brown students into the world of finance? And I'm not going to talk any more about that because he will do that uh, for us. But let me just give a brief bio. I'm going to be brief and it's awkward mentioning my friend David because he is my friend. But once again, I'm going to be introducing today David Esme. Now, David has pretty much lived, especially early in his life, an immigrant experience since arriving in the United States from Jamaica. He came as a student athlete at the age of 18. It was this journey that began the, the beginning to his next journey, which he will tell us all about. Know that he has 25 plus years in capital market experience focusing on hedge funds and private equity. He has been the director of Vertical Capital Advisors, the head of North America Operations at Equinox, the director of Financial Operations at Dune Capital, and manager of Hedge Fund Operations at Paloma Partners. So once again, you're thinking, well, what does this have to do with teaching, learning, specifically leading? Well, um, you're going to see. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let me invite my friend and colleague, David Esme, to the table. David, thanks for being with us today. Jeff, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure being here. So um, I, I want to say people should know that um, I was on your podcast, yes, right? Were. And so we're yes, talking were. about your podcast today and some of that effort, but um, this is actually fun getting you to actually show up now kind Absolutely. of, you know, in, in our house. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. It's certainly a pleasure. Um, as you've mentioned, we're colleagues and we're been friends for the last handful of years, and it's such an honor to be here. I remember when this whole process started, you've done a phenomenal job across the board with this platform that you've created. And I want to say congratulations for the work that you've done and what you're and what you continue to do. Appreciate happy well, to be here. Well, thanks. And I appreciate the compliments. That's, that's why I invited you here, so that we could spend some time complimenting me. Actually, I just gave this brief bio, right? Mm -hmm. I kind of read some of your experience, but maybe maybe you could give a little bit more narrative to it. Like, sure. help our listeners understand you, kind of your background, and maybe in that, 
kind of wrap into kind of your why and some of the motivating factors that go into some of the work that you're doing right now, specifically as it relates to this representation of black and sure. brown students in the world of finance? Sure. Uh, the quintessential immigrant experience came here when I was 18, went strictly straight to college. Um, from that, I, I my initial intent was to do electrical or mechanical engineering. Um, I quickly pivoted my first semester. It just didn't excite me as much. I dove into finance and from there kind of stumbled on what I considered, you know, lucky steps into the hedge fund space. Um, I worked for a guy up in Greenwich, Connecticut called Donald Sussman, who is um, one of the leaders in the space. Um, you know, he's in, in the same realm as Soros and all those guys. And this guy pretty much funded most of the big funds that we know today, SAC Capitals, which is now Point72, Nassim Taleb, you name it. Um, this is the beginning of what we consider our industry today. Um, during that process, I pretty much cut my teeth on the whole in industry and learning and building relationships and such. Uh, subsequently left that firm and went over to Dune Capital, um, which is Stephen Mnuchin's firm. Um, when he started that firm, Stephen is, was in 2016 was a treasury secretary of the United States. And, you know, had some pretty interesting road, um, um, you know, diversions along the way while initiating this career. Um, the cool thing about it is, though, we've always, I've always maintained pretty good relationships throughout the whole process and always build on relationships throughout the whole process. Um, fast forward to relocating from the Northeast to the Southeast. Um, I, I, I began my own investment banking practice and subsequently a small family office where I invest in firms. But more so, I had a deep feeling on the inside, how can I create more representation for black and brown kids like myself? I didn't necessarily see that representation when I was working professionally. And one of the goals that I had was, we have to do something about this. And I've always asked myself that question, why doesn't someone do something about this? And it kind of came back to, why don't you do something about it? And one of the things, talking about leading into my why, why we're doing this, um, I've always been the only African-American in the room when I walk in. It's a lot of questions I'm asking myself when I, when I walk into the room. What are people thinking? Am uh -huh. I qualified enough to be here? Am I, you know, all those questions that you ask yourself about um, the environment that you're in. And I really feel like systematically we ought to do something just to get people or kids the exposure of what this um, space kind of entails. I consider it the underbelly of every operation that we could think of, every vertical that we could think of economically within the whole system that we run. Uh, from an institutional standpoint to, you know, you name it, we've kind of, the finance is extremely important to the whole process. And, and in order to create more representation, we've got to find ways that we could intro the whole process to kids, which kind of led me to my process of developing and creating an edgy, um, 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 uh, uh, audio curriculum um, via um, just getting kids exposed to individuals who have had the experiences that I have. Yeah. Being the only African-American in the room, being the only black or brown person in the room. And we could lead into the podcast if, if you choose to do that. But, you know, it's been an interesting journey, to say the least, as we've developed this program and getting, you know, just 
And that has developed into a foundation itself. We're doing much more than what we originally started. We have the educational component. We have an experiential component to it. So it's just pretty much an exciting time for the One of One yeah. Foundation as we speak. Well, it's, it's interesting, David, because uh, it was years ago, several years ago. Um, you know, you're a finance guy and you know I'm, I'm an education guy, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And you asked me at one time, you said, listen, I, Jeff, I, I want to get involved. Like, how would I do that? How would I get involved like in our youth? And, you know, I went to this very traditional place and started thinking, well, here's a couple of organizations that probably would be taking volunteers, right? Mm -hmm. Here's a couple of schools you may consider, you know, giving them a ring to see if there's a way for you to interact with the school or with students, whatever. So I went to this very kind of traditional place. Yeah. And I saw later that that's not what you were asking. You weren't asking necessarily just for a volunteer. You were really kind of aiming at, how do I have an impact? Yes. Right, and yes. I, I misunderstood your question and, you know, pushed you into these environments for which you weren't looking. You kind of backed up and then you started something much bigger and broader and more impactful that I had in my mind because I just didn't see the vision at the time. Yeah. So did you remember that? Yeah, Maybe I trying do. to plug you in and I, do I, I apologize. And, and no, 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 <laughs> nothing to apologize about. But, you know, almost always, I'd say majority of people that, that ask that question would be comfortable with, you know, volunteering time. But I, in turn, kind of went the route of how can I create something that's going to be a little bit more long lasting than myself. And, and the whole idea of building something that's going to be impactful, that's going to withstand the test of time was very attractive to me. And that's kind of like what I lean into. Hence the reason I'm not surprised that the foundation was formed based off of me just wanting to create an audio curriculum, but it's kind of like the natural genesis of the process, um, um, how that kind of development. Um, so it wasn't like what you did was completely appropriate because it fits the MO for most people who ask those questions. And keep in mind, I tell my kids every day, I mean, donating your time, giving your time and spending time with others and giving is an important component with being human. So we kind of, uh, you know, we impressed that upon our kids and that's the direction that most people ought to go. But, you know, my intent was to create something a little bit larger than myself. And, and I'm, I, I've been, I'm happy to say that we've had partners along the way that say, hey, listen, let's figure out how we can make this happen together. Indeed. And, and clearly you have. Now, backing up a little bit, you came to the United States, kind of this immigrant situation, mm -hmm. right? You, you arrived for college, but also pursuing your sport, right? You're, yeah. you're a basketball player. Yeah. And um, that kind of love, you know, and that intensity as an athlete transferred to um, some other areas, specifically in the world of finance. And as you describe, you also found yourself, have found yourself over years being the one, right? The one yeah. kind of black and brown representation in a room of other people. Were you surprised by that? So coming to the United States and then pursuing kind of this, in, this new passion of yours, did you at one point look around thinking, wait a minute, I, I'm the only, what's happening? And did you wonder why? You know, it's funny that you ask that question, Jeff. 
when um, I came from a culture where it was predominantly people that look like me, um, it was a, a bit of an adjustment. Um, but the adjustment was definitely, uh, how can I put this, very impactful. I went to from Kingston, Jamaica, to the North Shore of Long Island. If you're familiar with the North Shore of Long Island, it's ex extremely affluent. I went to New York Institute of, of Technology. It's on. It's in Old Westbury. You know, I pretty much thought all how all yards have long driveways. Um, it's not a reflection of what most of America is. But you know, I I, I had that experience, and that really kind of balanced me out from an immigrant perspective. Immigrants are extreme, extremely focused in, 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 in regards to pursuing their dreams and aspirations, call it the American dream or whatever you may sure. call it. So I was exceptionally focused on how do I accomplish my goals and objectives as we move forward in this environment. Now, fast forward to the, um, to the work environment. Um, college was pretty much like that too. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, fast forward to the work environment. I'm in environments where not didn't necessarily see individuals that look like me that I, I feel like I could definitely lean on. But I felt blessed and lucky. There was always individuals, regardless of race or color, that definitely saw something in me that said, hey, listen, here's how you get to the, get to the next level. Here's how you apply to to apply yourself in order to advance and move forward. So I've always felt somewhat blessed in, even in the college environment, I had really good coaches that kind of integrated me into the system as it pertains to how I, how I must represent myself as a young black male within this environment. And that kind of transferred into the, the corporate world too, where representation was always key to me and how I present myself and how I, what, you know, how I'm, how I'm supposed to represent myself when I walk into a room. And that's kind of like, it's been transferred into how we communicate when we're in these, you know, in these boardrooms. Um, it definitely, I questioned myself. I wondered why. I mean, clearly this is United States of America. We have we're very blessed in this environment from a from the perspective of affluence and having a, a ton and a lot as we move, you know, as we exist in this environment. But, you know, it always, I've always asked myself why, but at the same token, in the back of my mind, I'm always asking myself, what can we do to fix it? Yeah. So what's the solution really? We It's clearly a problem we've identified, but what do we do, right? And I, I'm pretty sure there's tons of organizations out there like myself that's actually doing positive things in order to make that happen. But I, I'm sure there's tons of people from all different races that's doing stuff to make, to impact in some way to make that happen. Well, it's, it, I think that your story is unique in that, right, not growing up in the United States, right, but coming over 18 years old, mm -hmm pursuing your passion, wanting to succeed, wanting to achieve this American dream. And I can only imagine then maybe even somewhat surprised because you're now living in this diverse environment, mm -hmm. right, in the United States, mm -hmm. um, where you had grown up was not diverse, right? Definitely Everyone not. looked like you. And so here you are in this diverse environment, you then achieve these particular goals and find yourself kind of in the room, let's just say, right? So you look around and realize, I'm the only one here that looks like me. So maybe somewhat surprised. You've probably spent some time since then kind of asking why, right? Everyone has these different 
reasons and rationale as to why we have underrepresentation of you know particular uh, race and sometimes class in these environments. What do you think? What What is some of your? What is some of the why that maybe you've unraveled over time? Why do you think this is the case? Because clearly it is. Sure. So why? Sure. sure. Specifically in my space, you got to understand finance is an area that I think um, it, it's dominated by you know Caucasian male yeah. for the most part. Yeah. But the reality of it is, though, I think how do we how do minorities get attracted to stuff like that? And I think let's. Peely on your back. Yeah. How do um, um, my peers that don't look like me get involved in, in situations like that? It's typically because of that uncle or uh, a family member who's done exceptionally well or better than average and everyone else in that family, and it becomes somewhat attracted, attractive to that kid. And I, you know, we, in our environment, you know, Sports and and all entertainment seems like the route in order to accomplish a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole bunch of smart individuals out there that could do very well on quant desk and risk arb desk that are like intelligent enough to perform at very high levels. But the exposure to this space is just not quite there. And that's the gap that I intend to fill from that perspective, create exposure and awareness in a space where typically we wouldn't necessarily consider. And again, finance is very large. Typically, when you think of finance, you think of the intimidating numbers screaming on the screen uh, is screen when you look yeah, at it right. on CNBC or something like that. Right, exactly. And again, it's, it's much bigger than that because like I mentioned previously, it's the underbelly of everything that we do. It's, 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 it's the accounting department in a hospital. It's it's the um, it's the finance department at a nonprofit. These are functions that are vital to the to the operations of every industry that you could think of. So it's much bigger than that. It's much bigger than Wall Street. It's much bigger. It, it's also a part of Madison Avenue, proverbially. It's a part of everything that we do, and bringing the exposure to the idea that it's much bigger than just a street proverbially and just bigger than investments will in turn attract a whole bunch of people to it and let people know that you could have a whole bunch of success in a whole bunch of different verticals within this space itself. And that's my goal to bring awareness and, you know, let black and brown kids know that there's an opportunity here for a huge amount of success. Um, if they were to look at this option. So, Going uh, going back to our previous question, I instead of plugging you into a volunteer situation, you say, "Listen, I I, I want to see um, some deeper work being done as it relates to creating change for this next generation, uh, black and brown students, in terms of representation in the room." Sure. So you launch one of one. Yes. Right. So. Let's let's kind of let's talk about that. Like our listeners at this point in time are thinking, okay, I, I have no idea what one of one <laughs> means. So now's time. Like walk us through maybe just some of the basics of, you know, not just the idea, but what it is. So we've kind of sure. talked about the why. Let's talk about kind of the what and how a little bit. Tell us about one of one. Sure, one of one. Uh, we create audio curriculum, and the audio curriculum pretty much um, 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 entails. Um, um, 
me having a conversation via a podcast with successful African-American who have uh, who've also shared that one-of-one one experience. On my season one, I had a gentleman, David Panton, he was a, a Rhodes Scholar. We had um, Jill Pemberton, who's also, I think, I, I believe she's the CFO of, CFO of LVMH. Again, um, um, just using those two examples, Panton is a private equity guy who's done exceptionally well, also an immigrant. Um, Ms. Pemberton is also um, um, a finance person who has done exceptionally well throughout corporate America and now leads one, uh, she's a CFO of, um, um, CFO of a luxury brand. So give you the depth of uh, um, um, how this whole thing works. We create, so the idea here is we're talking about the relevant content. Yeah. The, the first, I'd say, I consider the first 20 to 25 years. Um, it's pretty interesting to talk about the success that you've had in the boardroom, but what we want to dive into is the relatable content, how you grew up, what brought you to these decisions that you made, what kind of, uh, what, what did you experience when you were a kid that led you to the path of finance in a sense? This is what I consider relatable content, because regardless of who you are and where you are, there's a whole bunch of relatability if you grew up in one society. You know, there's a ton that you could lean on and say, hey, listen, my childhood was similar. Um, and it, 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 there, there's clearly this person has the same skills and talents and ability that, abilities that I have. So maybe I see myself in that position one day. So the idea is to get K through 12, the exposure to that. And from that, we've also Im embedded some experiences and some 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 what we consider offsite experiences for the kids. You know, we want to get them exposed to institutions like the Fed, yeah, and and possibly institutions like the New York Stock Exchange. Now, these are like stuff that we know exists, but stuff that we typically just ignore or not pay attention sure, to. Sure, sure. You know? So and stuff like that, and 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 from that, we've also evolved into where we're providing mentorships through. The relationships that we've developed through through kids at certain HBCUs. So we've went out and we develop develop relationship with Morehouse Spelman. Uh, we're working on relationships with Howard right now. Uh, we're building out relationships with with Tuskegee to to get these kids opportunities within finance within corporate America of such. Phenomenal. So 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 we've you know we've kind of you know as we expand our vision on this, we're seeing opportunities that kind of develop and we're just leaning on resources and relationships to make this thing happen. So it's, it's somewhat organic in nature, right? This yeah. is this kind of one of one concept is growing, but, and this this audio content you described, this, this podcast, it's, you know, the, the tables are turned, right? You're, yeah. you're me and yeah. you're engaging these really incredible, impressive leaders, right? Yep. Other ones, Yes. Of one, yes. right? <laughs> and as you're doing so, and you're talking to them about their story, mm -hmm. you know, you're creating models yes. for youth, right? Absolutely. So they can start to see themselves. Absolutely. You can, they can start to see the path and the opportunity that maybe hadn't been described to them otherwise, right? Yes. What themes are you noticing in these incredible professionals that 
you're interviewing. You must notice, I mean, obviously there's exceptions to every rule, but there must be some themes of these people that are starting to pop out. Absolutely. It's unique, but it's something that if you're a black or brown person, there's something that you never ever talk about really being the only person of color within that room. Yeah. You know, you're, you're exceptionally driven. You have your head down and you're focused and you're get into the next step or the next stage or the next level of accomplishment and doing whatever you need to do in that professional career. So something that's never really spoken about or something that you don't really focus on at all, um, it becomes somewhat of a after, uh, you know, afterthought in some capacity. And a lot of times, successful people do question whether or not they do belong in that room because you're not seeing other people that look like you in that room. Yeah. So that's been the constant theme. I've always asked myself that question. and. I know other individuals that are highly successful in their field and we've, you know, I've never really asked, like, how does it feel? Uh-huh. You know, feeling is something that you, feeling is not a, <laughs> it does, it, it has a, it has something to do with how you execute your processes, but it's something that you don't really put a lot of attention on from that perspective. So a lot of these in, interviews that I have, these individuals, you know, they do question themselves from the perspective of belonging in that environment and and you know and also as um you know trying to figure out their why in the process also you know so is this like uh, it it's almost sounds like um some of the people you're interviewing maybe aren't used to this vulnerability that you're asking them about right i mean absolutely they probably haven't spent or even been asked it seems like a numerous times of so, so what's what's it like yeah what's it like being you know one of one and and have you ever questioned that and how does that make you feel and so forth you must notice some themes of well y- yeah definitely and it's kind of like the way i feel right now i feel there's a little bit of uncomfortableness to the whole thing because again <laughs> it's it's a topic in this particular culture and environment that we operate in it's you know like it's something that we're comfortable not talk yeah not talking about yeah right so um but a lot of these guys it brings it's probably the first time they've really like in a formal interview setting ever asked this question and it brings a little bit of unease to say the least but again there's a relatability component because i've also lived that life and you're living that life now and more importantly it's to educate and talk about the nuances of that life to attract k through 12 to the space of finance and 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 really explore and see relatability within the early years of the individual that we're talking to to say hey listen i may want to pursue investment banking why not yeah you know i could go to goldman i could go to morgan why not you know it's a, it it becomes a viable option at that point because of the relatability component that comes with it so it's uh you know in strategic planning sometimes they call it if and then right if we do the following things then potentially we start to see the results in this way. So it sounds like what you're saying is if we create this um, very accessible model of identifying individuals in this space, if we can do that in a relatable way for students, Mm -hmm. 
early on as opposed to at 18 years old maybe in yep. college but even earlier then maybe they start to see themselves and start to lean in and try some new experiences that they wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise unless they had a, a successful uncle exactly right exactly and, and, and are, are we on there well said Jeff. okay <laughs> okay so uh, you know the, there's there's the audio piece right mm -hmm. but talk to us more about how this you know, what is your like hope and vision over time? Because as you know, it sounds like these things are organically happening, right? You've now yep. created. What if we gave them exposure, not just the, not not just the you know, the podcast, but what if we put them in the environment? How are some of these things, um, you know, starting to bud? And what do you imagine this could be years out? Absolutely. Now, currently, we're kind of you know we're in the city of Atlanta. We're working with with a few elementary school level, um, just getting the, the, the getting our podjucation process going. And we're also spearheading, we're also heading out to other cities. Charlotte, we have a pretty, um, you know, we're working on Charlotte now as we speak. We have a major benefactor that we're working through the pipelines right now. We want to get the exposure to the um, two kids we're working, we're willing to work with any institution that's willing to give us the opportunity to let's come in and share our content with them. It's a module that we kind of, the kids listen, they learn, and they ask questions. It's interactive. But more importantly, our programs also tie in the parent component too, where, um, you know, we have to have someone to kind of support what we're doing and get in the getting the parents educated about financial awareness and how does that impact their own lives and the population we're talking to it's you know it's it's an afterthought it's not something that's important you know it's it's it is vital it's very important but it's typically an afterthought because you know what what's important today is right and and planning for the future and understanding how that works is probably secondary because we have to worry about today yeah so so we're our program definitely you know we want to get the kids involved and obviously we want to show them what it's like being in the environments of wall street and such but the idea here is we want to spark that flame yep. that can in turn move into a you know turn into a, a blaze at some point so um for fun mm -hmm. um i want to maybe potentially make you uncomfortable because you just mentioned that even if it's a little uncomfortable mm -hmm. sometimes to describe kind of how it feels so the i get to ask this because you know i i know mm -hmm. you had mentioned to me once mm -hmm. that you know when you decided to launch this you had gathered these partners right there was this kind of inertia and growing interest and it was kind of like this event that you had mm -hmm. where you were saying like this is real this is what we're doing you had college students in the room and it was this launch of one of one mm -hmm. and it stirred something in you right it I, I think in some ways it seemed to almost surprise you on how that felt right oh, yeah and, oh yeah you know maybe you could help our help us understand um what that was like specifically in that it was new to you, right? Yeah. This, 
this was not the world of finance. This is this is giving back in yeah. a way that, you know, you you haven't done. I mean, absolutely, you do this for the, on the side. This is not yeah. your full time gig here, yeah. and yet it just it created like this kind of you know fire in your gut. Yeah, um, uh, that's how I interpreted it. Maybe you can help us understand a little no, bit. I more. think you got it right. You know, you're spot on. Um, it's it's a feeling that I can't. It's so much easier writing a check and moving on from the situation. What we did at our, um, we call it uh, IPO, um, playing on the initial public offering to initial podcast offering, which um, uh, we had at Spelman College. We had students from Spelman and Morehouse kind of attend this program. And what we did is we, I brought out um, finance professionals in the space of venture capital, um, um, uh, you know, financial management, um, uh, private equity. We brought out a variety of individuals and provide the students with exposure to these individuals, asking candid questions. And the feedback from the students were just unbelievable. They're saying, hey, listen, we don't have this level of these individuals come into our program that are like this high caliber, that's this accessible, uh, which led to internship opportunities and a whole bunch of stuff from from, you know, from these kids. That in turn gave me, I felt it's the best feeling I've had in giving. It was much more fulfilling than just writing a check and checking a box. It was the individuals that were felt a level of fulfillment from, the, you know, the exposure to these individuals and just having having individuals there to ask questions about simple things like, you know, what to expect when I go to XYZ, what to expect, I'm, I'm, I'm starting an internship here, what, you know, having that level of uh, accessibility appeared to mean the world to these kids. That in turn kind of brought a different level of fire in my belly because now I'm like, hey, listen, now that we've done this here, how can we expand it and do more? And what I did, like I do, which I think I'm good at, we started knocking on doors, reaching out to corporate sponsors and say, hey, listen, how can we utilize, how can you partner with us in order to make this vision become a reality? Somewhat selfish on my part, I want to continue to feel that feeling and I want to live in that space more. And and how do I pour into that space to in turn affect change in others' other people's lives in turn to be more active in that space. And and it it was just a remarkable feeling. I, I I still have a tough time putting it into words, but it's just unbelievable from my perspective. Yeah. Well it's it's funny that kind of imagine this. You're talking to um, students who are already invested in higher ed, right? These mm -hmm. are these are college students sure. that um, are there for a reason. However um, as you and I both know, sometimes you're there because you think you're supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. You don't know exactly what you're going to do with your life. You're trying to explore and learn. And I have to imagine that the discussion and the exposure that you gave to those students in this launch just created this relevancy to them. Absolutely. Right. Now it becomes real on what's possible. I'm not just learning in a course from a professor. I actually have people in front of me engaged in the work who used to be me. Exactly. Right? And so you created this relevancy, which probably is what kind of was stirring in you. But imagine now creating that relevancy 
even before college. Absolutely. Right, because in some ways, that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? The real, the real work is before mm -hmm. they get to college. Absolutely. Right? So that must be exciting to think it's, about. It's exceptionally, it's unbelievably excited. And, and, and the cool thing about it is it's individuals that they could relate to and they could see themselves in. So it's, 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 it's one of our, one of our guests that night was, um, a lady that started a fund out in Denver called a new community fund. Now her background from a statistics standpoint, she should have never been where she is today. Like she was a teen mother. Uh -huh. uh, she went out and did, you know, graduated from college on time, do all this great stuff. You know, you gotta check a, a the podcast out to get the full details of what I'm telling you. But, um, the cool thing about what she did is she started a fund from scratch and raised $50 million. Now, read the headlines. It's still pretty difficult for anyone to raise capital in any markets at any particular time in, in, in our environment. And as a single woman went out and did this on her own, it's, it's unbelievable in itself. But more importantly, she could have been a, a statistics for the most part. Yeah. That wasn't the case for this particular individuals. That in itself becomes an interesting um, 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 component when these kids were at Spelman, all girls school, when individuals, when students could look up on that stage and see someone that they actually can possibly relate to who have had not so great experiences in their life doing familiar, um, unbelievable things. So that in turn become real tangible evidence from their perspective that, hey, it's doable. And that's what we want to spark that's the flame that i'm talking about but taking it all the way back now if you get that from k through k through eight you know tie in with some experiential type experiences in the process it's almost always you know someone you're gonna lean into it versus like being exposed only in college and and that's our goal we want to spark the flame early so individuals may look at finance as an option and and it's a very lucrative option and it's in any industry that you could think of yeah you know you know the you're i know you're one to really uh you know stay in your lane you and i knew each other even when i was superintendent here in fulton county i don't remember you ever pulling me aside and saying Listen, I have an idea for you, Jeff. I or I really think you should consider the following things in your work. Right? That we, you did not do that. And by the way, people do that a lot. Oh, right. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lots of recommendations, right? Because everyone's an expert when it comes to education. But um, that being said, even though you're not one to advise, what would you want educational leaders to start to think about? I mean, our our audience, right, is superintendents. Um, central office, so kind of that executive suite of a, of a school district, all the way down through principals, but leaders in the education space, and even, even at the state level. Um, what would you want leaders to start thinking about based upon, you know, some of your efforts, but also your vision of what's possible? Absolutely. I think uh, finances clearly create a whole bunch of problems, but it fix a whole bunch of problems too, right? Um, so we ought to be a little bit more aware or kind of lean on the whole education system as it pertains to finance itself. Yeah. So there has to be a, somewhat of an emphasis on that. Now, granted, I'm not here to 
uproot curriculum by any means, but if you could partner with an organization to create more exposure in the space, that an, an organization that kind of ties in the parent involvement would also be a huge help from my perspective for the future generation. So, you know, what we do, we don't expect it to be an event. We know it's a process. So I say to superintendents and C-suite individuals that are in the education space, we know you operate a boat and never pivot quickly by any means, but the same token, if we could tack on some, you know, one-of-one -one type programs along with your mission and how we educate people about students about finances and 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 this audio curriculum that we have we could definitely lean into hopefully a brighter future because again it solved a whole bunch of problems as it pertains to like what the future may look like for people and i know educators have a unbelievable difficult amount of time as it pertains to their job itself yeah but the finance component is equal as important as health and everything else that we could think of. And that education component, it's not emphasized enough. And we need to find creative ways, which is why I created one of one. Yeah. And and the idea here, if I have access to a superintendent, I say, hey, listen, let's sit down and figure out how we could create after school programs to educate our kids about finances. Yeah. Um, it could be tied into what you're doing today. I'm pretty sure there's active school systems that are pushing stuff like this. But again, tying it in after school, get an involvement with parents, will, the ability to work on weekends and do stuff, that's what we're about. We wanna change the trajectory of what the future may look like for our students. And it starts with financial education. Yeah, I, I think that you'd probably find a lot of agreement if you were to um, gather leaders in a room and ask them a frank question. Do you think we do enough education as it relates to the world of finance? It's going to be rare that a school system throughout the country would say, oh, yeah, we're, we're really, we're on all cylinders. We're doing extremely <laughs> well on that. You know, there, we do run this sometimes traditional programming that mm -hmm. makes it really difficult for us to almost get out of our own way sometimes. But we do need to create these relevant pathways for students and hook them in early, which is, I think, exactly what you're doing in the world of finance, specifically for students who are sure. underrepresented. So I just think you're doing noble work. I appreciate that, Jeff. And, and I don't necessarily consider it noble work, but I do know I have two options. I could sit on my hands or I could go out and create something and, and, and try to affect change in some capacity. And I choose to do the latter. It's, it's, it's a fulfilling experience for the most part, but more importantly, we ought to figure out what we're doing for the next generation, especially as we approach this stage. But more importantly, though, we just need to just, we, we have to invest as a finance yeah, person, right. which is important. Right. We have to invest in the next generation and generation that's gonna come after. And how do we do that? Educators play an important role in that. I mean, you, you gotta understand, I've always, in my household, when I interact with teachers, we're partners. Right. <laughs> you know, you got them for six, seven, eight hours a day, I have them for the rest. We need to partner, so almost always I lead a a proactive relationship with my 
children teachers from that perspective because there's a lot of expectations that I expect them to uphold based on what I'm doing at home. Now, granted, I know that approach is not necessarily predominantly the case when it comes to other parents, but teachers play an exceptional role in the nurturing of our kids. I mean, everyone can go back to who they thought their favorite teacher is and impacts them until for the rest of their lives, That's right. for the most part. So That's we right. understand the importance of that. My goal, we don't want to take anything away from teachers, but we want to partner and work alongside them and say, hey, listen, how can we make your job better? How do we do this? We put a lot of focus. You're already working with the next gen. So how do we kind of enhance the next gen to where they could be incrementally better than the previous gen? Yeah. And, and then the one that actually went through this. And that's our focus. And our goal is to take, you know, try to gather those inches, you know? Yeah. And, and, and uh, hopefully we could get all the way down the field. Well, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful that I was able to kind of convince you and, and, you know, use some of your time today. And we're probably using too much of it. But let me just ask this last question. This is what we ask everyone. You know the nature of our programming with the leadership circle because we know each other. But sure. um, this is the one thing, our leader chat, the one thing that we do as it relates to pushing out content. The majority of our programming is actually gathering people around the table, mm -hmm. right? Uh, what we took from Andy Stanley, circles are better than rows, yep. and the concept is kind of, you know, picking the uh, picking at the brains of each other as it relates to pragmatic solutions to complicated challenges. Now, if you and I were to envision around this table with us or mm -hmm. other leaders, superintendents, state leaders, all the way down through principals. If you only had, you know, four flights on an elevator, what would what would be the last thing you'd want to leave them with? Absolutely, um, we need to impact our kids from a from a finance perspective when we're approaching education, and 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 our module that we've created at One of One, our audio curriculum is a great tool in order to do that. It creates a relatable content for these individuals, for these students. They could see individuals that are like, that may appear unattainable at times, that pretty much had similar experiences that they're experiencing right now. That becomes, that breaks down barriers for the most part because then they've did it, now I could possibly do it. Um, that is, definitely a easy way to connect rather than saying hey listen here goes the balance sheet the debits and the credits are here how do we navigate that it's not intimidating at all it becomes somewhat conversational and could lead to other things from that perspective so i say you know find ways that we could partnership with organizations to kind of like supplement and help what you're doing, which I think educators are doing a phenomenal job as it is. It's a thankless job. And our goal is to complement that in some capacity by just shedding a light, shed a little bit, shedding a little bit of light on this particular vertical that I think is probably one of the most underrated and, and the most important component within our whole society. Well, you would know better than me, David. So thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. Uh, fun chatting with you, of course, as always. And, and until next time, David. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. All right. Appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, so now you would understand. 
probably in my intro, as I was mentioning, the, the topic and, of course, uh, David's bio. You were wondering where is this conversation going to go, but now you can see the, the intent and the focus of David Esme and One to One on exposing students into uh, the world of finance, but specifically into a career that can have incredible relevancy, demonstrate amazing amount of success if exposed at the right time, um, I find him to be just a, an absolute worthy effort. And so I'm, I'm thankful he was here. He was here with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, educators, leaders, be well.